Back everybody to Podding Ain't Easy and our continued look at Marvel's Hawkeye on Disney Plus. Now we had to do another double review of Hawkeye because last week, you know, especially on my end, things were getting a bit hectic with work and podcasting and you know preparations for for Christmas. Especially now that you know there's all this doubt, you know, after Christmas with the the Omicron variant and everything else going on. So I take and hold off on Hawkeye temporarily. But you know these are so I think they actually flow really well together, especially the ending of episode four into the main crux of episode five, and you know some big, real some things we speculated on. They'll we'll be here to talk about in a bit more detail in this episode. Uh, we won't have much else to talk about other than okay, because you know the main thing going on right now is Spider-Man No Way Home. I've seen it. My co-host has unfortunately not seen it, but you know we'll power through just the same. And figure my co-host, he is indeed. The Doctor Strange to my Spider Man. <laughs> yes, Carl Pierce. Hello, yes, I'm here. Here to budge up another spell. <laughs> uh, although we, we definitely wouldn't want people to forget, you know, who we are or who the, what this podcast is. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah, been a pain in the arse trying to avoid spoilers. Like personally, I've been trying to. I, it's bit, even though it was like I went to see the film two days after it came out, I was still doing everything to avoid. But well, every so often I get a thing on Twitter and I'm thinking, oh, this thing in Spider-Man or explain this, the reasons behind this thing. So I'm like, no, no, no. Even people said, like, this isn't a spoiler, but Spider-Man, like, no, I don't even want to hear anyone else's opinions. <laughs> I don't want to hear anyone, anyone's opinions about it until I've managed to form my own. Yeah, I mean, I just can't believe Batman showed up at the end, to be honest. But, oh, shit, uh, you could edit that bit out, can't you? Yeah. Sorry, right, people weren't be that fooled. I mean, but between you and me, when it was revealed that Tony wasn't really dead. Wait, wait, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the fact that Brock Lesnar F5'd everybody at the end that really surprised me. Uh, sorry, uh, oh. I want, I'm tempted to make another joke, but you know, I don't, don't want to say anything unless I accidentally say something like, oh, and go like, oh, wait, I've <laughs> <laughs> got nearly taken it too far, ladies and gentlemen. You know, Carl, you know, has to suffer for the fact that he's not got an issue, he's not got a cinema like that too close to him, so unfortunately for now, he, won't, he isn't able to, you know, share in the experience of Spider-Man, but you know, I'm sure eventually once Carl has seen it, we'll be talking all sorts of stuff. You're dedicating probably an entire episode to to Spider Man because even if we have to wait for it to be uploaded, we upload it Disney Plus because I'm sure once it's uploaded there, I'll probably give it a rewatch. Yeah, definitely. I'll be watching it. I'm hoping like a lot of these films recently that have been um, they've done these home premieres, haven't they? Even they even did it with James Bond. Um, 
which uh, was, it was, you know, quite soon after it was at the cinema. So if I have to rent it for 15 quid, uh, I'll be doing that for this film. Yeah. I mean, anyway, you can find a way to you know, watch this film because I'm sure, you know, there's the main shared about the film, but like showing clips that you already see in the trailers, but very soon I'm sure there'll be bits that obviously people didn't know about going out there and also you'd hate to have that kind of spoiled mm. for you. Yeah, I mean, my main worry is um, I'm not going to be able to see it before Christmas and I'm a bit concerned they might do a, another sort of a circuit break, a lockdown after Christmas. Mm-hmm. So that, that's um, another reason why I think I might struggle to see it at the cinema. So um, we'll just have to see what pans out. Yeah, I mean, I'm wanting to, I'm trying to arrange with people to go and like, see it again because, well, partly because, you know, I want to see if I missed anything the first time because sometimes with big films like this, like the stuff you don't recognise until you've seen it a couple more times. But because the first time you see it you're just so excited and you're just taking stuff in as it's happening. Uh, and also the fact that I know I'm trying to get in as much, you know, time of being able to go out before a potential lockdown because, you know, I've been to the cinema like four times since the whole lockdown started. <laughs> yeah, I mean how many how often would you normally go to the cinema just uh, put it into context? For everyone, I used to go all the time, like, like because like so many of these like big budget films were happening so close together. I was going fairly often, uh, and like mainly limiting myself to like films I actually wanted to see. So you know, I didn't end up wasting my money on something that ended up being shite. <laughs> <laughs> but then, like even when even when cinemas were opened again, I still didn't. I still held off for ages. So it wasn't until like last September. So like four times since September, I've been to the cinema uh, since. And the last time before that was like March 2020, so that's how long a gap I took from putting cinemas in Audi. I'm worried about taking it, have they taken another bloody gap? Uh, I don't think I've been for two years. I think um, Star Wars, um, was it The Rise of Skywalker on my 30th birthday was the last time I went. Yeah, I remember going to see Rise of Skywalker. I think, anyway, as far as I can remember. I don't, I don't think there's actually that many big ones coming out. I mean, there's the Matrix coming out, which I think might suffer if they do go into a lockdown because that's coming out very close to the Christmas, like New Year period. Yeah, I'm sure the film industry is hoping and praying there. There isn't another lockdown. Yeah, you never know. I mean, it could end up being like on a home premiere quite soon. Films like that could end up on a home premiere like sooner than expected because of stuff like lockdown, but. You know, you know, Black Widow was like on pre- Disney Plus and their like premiere, like as and only select cinemas for a while like, because of lockdown. Mm. But it sounds like Spider Man's made a shit ton of money already, at least. So at least there's that. Oh yeah, yeah. I think like it's not really beaten Infinity War or Endgame apparently yet, but it's very close to it. Like very, like opening weekend wise. Yeah. It's uh, considering it's only been out for a couple of days, it's done super well. And I've, I did a thing with uh, the guys that we haven't done uh, since Endgame, and that you know, so because so, people in the group, you know, have different things going on and are going to see it at different times. Where like back when Endgame happened, we formed a separate group chat and this we're adding people as and when they'd seen the film. <laughs> we talked about it without spoiling it for other people, and we've done that again for Spider-Man, and like. Uh, like I remember the credits I was doing the credits of Spider-Man I was about to type into the group chat I've just seen it and then realised like no don't you've not seen the post credits yet 
Uh-huh. But yeah, if you do get a chance to watch it, whether you're in the cinema or at home, watch till the end is my advice. Ah, right, fair play. I still get, I still get, I still don't get it. I, Marvel, the MCU has been our thing for more than a decade now, and yet every time I go to see one of these films in cinemas, all someone always leaves before the, before even the mid scene. Like, have you not learned by now? Clearly not. I, I sometimes go after the mid credits one because I think, well, it's something to watch. You know, something to look forward to when I uh, get the home release because I I can't always be asked to sit in their way. Yeah, and I always worry because there are times where the mid scene's like the main one, and then it's just something really kind of meh for the final one, and you'd hope it'd be the other way around because you know you're waiting all the way to the end. You know, for it, what feels like forever of like special effects people who you don't care about who probably do good work but you don't care about you're just there to see whatever the tease is for the next thing exactly and you don't want to do what I did and sit all the way through and there isn't an end credit scene like I did with Logan oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> no it should have just came up at the end there is no cre- there is no scene he's still dead <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, but you know I'm sure we will watch uh, we'll talk about Spider-Man No Way Home when I get a chance but you know if you want to watch a Marvel film that's not nowhere near as good as Spider-Man No Way Home uh, The Eternals is coming on Disney Plus apparently on the 12th of January so that's the thing cool I might take a gander at that make sure you've got nothing else going on in the day because that film goes on for far too long Anything with Salma Hayek in it is worth watching in my box, Scott. Uh, I was going to say something about that, but I don't know if that's a spoiler or not, so I'm going to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> but the main reason I was like, like I know we need to talk about Spider Man is like, I think sometime between now and the uh, release of Doctor Strange 2, I was thinking about like, when we, we discussed about doing like have a ranking of the, the MCU films, but I. Uh, I was going to say, I think we need to hold off on that kind of ranking before until we've both seen Spider-Man No Way Home because I'm sure where that place is going to be quite important. And again, like I said, but Doctor Strange being pushed back means we've got plenty of time. Like, yeah. yeah, no worries there. And I might just do a Cody to piss everyone off and put everyone's favourite films at the bottom. <laughs> Dark oh. World's the best, damn it! <laughs> I thought you were going to say it's like you were just going to put Eternals at number one without even seeing it just because Selma Hayek was in it. <laughs> that does seem like something you would do. Ha, how dare you! But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, enough of this, you know, discussing what we can and can't talk about spoilers and all that. Something we can talk about is Hawkeye. And, you know, if you've watched, you're listening to this and you haven't watched Hawkeye, well, Please don't get annoyed about spoilers. We're here to break down the episode. You know, you should have read. You should have, you know, thought about that before going in. Yeah, but, you should have watched. You should have watched it by now. Stop complaining. I know. And don't get me in the I couldn't watch episode five because I was out seeing Spider Man. You had you had time when you got home. Scott found Scott found time. <laughs> I know, and if I can find find time, you know, the guy with forty different million different podcasts can find the time you watch it soaking you. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, well, I'm just going to read all the podcasts I've been I've done over the years, and 
uh, it's in a list on one of these episodes. It's going to be like that Jericho 1004 holds list. <laughs> Podcast number one, arm bars. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, into the episodes we go. Uh, episode four is up first. Partners, am I right? Is the name of the episode. It picks up right where episode three left off with Jack holding the Ronin sword to Clint's throat. And we find out not only is he in the apartment, but uh, Eleanor is there as well, and you know, as I, I worried would happen, yeah, they they clear up, they clear it up right, right away, and he was like, "Why is there an Avenger in our apartment?" And they realise that it's Hawkeye, and uh, you know, Kate saying that she's waiting to work alongside Hawkeye and their partners and everything, and he goes like, "We're not partners, friends. I wouldn't even call us friends." Uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, Clinton leaves, but. Eleanor kind of talks to them and says that basically she wants them to stay away from Kate. Doesn't want her dragged. She doesn't want her dragged into whatever he's doing. And she even drops a reference to what happened to Black Widow and everything. And also, as Clint gets into the elevator, we see he's stolen the uh, the Ronin sword from the apartment, and he's texting his wife uh, to look into Sloan Limited, which is a company that they were looking up on Eleanor's computer before they were locked out, and. There's actually what seems like a nice moment between uh, Eleanor, Jack, and Kate, where Kate kind of sees for a second that her mom is happy, and you know they laugh at Jack's incompetence of uh, saying like you know phrases correctly, like you never know what you're gonna get and everything. And you know it seems like oh well, maybe our plans are changing, but then soon we learn that maybe we are right to be wary because uh, Sloan Limited is said to be a front for the tracksuit mafia, with Jack is credited as the CEO. Of Sloan Limited, and uh, you know some talk between uh, Clinton and his wife about the watch that went missing in the first episode that was meant to be from the Avengers compound. They're even talking in German at one point, so that the kids can't understand them. But Dilda starting was like, ah, she's talking a different language. She's talking to Dad. Uh, there's a point when they again they reference uh, Eleanor's holiday party, and they talk about you know how can you imagine spending Christmas alone, which causes Kate to go over to where Clint's you know, hiding out and you know basically bring him Christmas jumpers, Christmas movies and basically allow him to you know, spend kind of the Christmas time that he didn't get to spend with uh, his family. He's, he shows her you know flick this like a coin or a quarter or something like that and just set a target without even like looking at it. Uh, and they're just sitting around chatting they're wearing Christmas sweaters and they, they actually ask them about a different trick arrow like boomerang arrows which Clint says is a bad idea. And she asked him about well, what was the best shot you took and said it's the one I didn't take and he recalled like he was sent to take out Black Widow and he, he saw that she wanted out so he helped her kind of get over where she was and helped join S.H.I.E.L.D. and everything. Uh, and then it's kind of through this and what happened in the blip where Kate realised not only did Clint lose his family then she kind of turned to the guy and realises that he's thrown in and Clint talks about himself being a weapon and how he did what he did what he was know, trained to do during the blood and don't kill people and goes like a bit more into how he sees himself and why he doesn't see himself as a as a hero. They both split up the next day as Kate goes to get the trick arrows back from the, the LARPing group that we saw in the episode two. and uh, kinda of makes a deal with them, you know, getting materials for new costumes for them and for uh, her and her and Clint, which may be the uh, the comic kind of purple Suits that we uh, we see in the artwork for the episodes, which I'm sitting they'll, they'll wait for the finale to actually put on together. Whereas Clint goes to visit Kazi, who's kind of the right hand to to Echo, and basically warns them about you know 
what everything how Maya is like out for vengeance against Ronan and how it's gonna go gather unwanted attention because I know your boss doesn't want any of that. And they go uh, they go in looking for the the watch and they find an apartment where it where it's hidden and Kate where like Clint wants to, you know, do like a complex, you know, shooting an arrow with a big wire and trying breaking the apartment. No, but they but Kate Bishop just wanders in the front door after somebody else is walking in. <laughs> And just casually drop says to the guy who she's in the elevator with, Hey, I'm working with an Avenger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, whereas Clint's hearing all through an earpiece and it's just like, Oh god, why am I why am I working with her? Uh she gets into the apartment, she finds the watch, but she also finds a note uh, with information about Clint and his wife and his kids. And then these like flashing lights are going off, which turns out to be an alarm uh, for like they hope like dead people know that there's an intruder in the house, and they put they realize shit Maya's uh, in the apartment, and that there's a fight between Maya and Kate in the apartment, and Clint's being attacked by someone who he at first thinks is Maya, but uh, it's soon revealed to be Yelena. It's uh, also we saw in the post credit scene for Blackwell, she's been sent after him, and she's been tar- tasked with killing him. There's a fight between all four of them on the roof. Kate gets knocked off the roof, kind of hung on a wire above these Christmas lights, which. For Clint kind of reminds him a bit too much of when uh, Natasha dropped in Endgame. So after the whole fight ends, he basically tells her just to go away and like she like she shouldn't that she shouldn't be part of this. Uh, I'm assuming you know, trying to keep her safe and everything. And think about what I what her mum told him earlier on. Episode five is starts off very interesting. It's titled Ronan, as we get a flashback to 2018 of uh, Yelena. And you know another former Black Widow breaking out of this house, uh, still on that mission to free the other Black Widows after the events of the film. They, it's very one of the one with that you know that that bread mist that's meant to you know like not snap them out of it. But uh, turns out the woman wasn't hypnotized at all, and she's just angry now because the the missus stained her her twenty thousand dollar rugs, <laughs> and she knows about how she's gotten into contract where she offers like them work. Uh, Elena goes to the bathroom and we see that she was blipped uh, when Thanos snapped his fingers. It's very interesting because we see her standing there. She's gone for a few seconds and immediately is back again as the walls change because also in the five years they've been repainted. So we get another look at how, you know, it is for the people who get blipped, you know, how quickly it seems to be over for them, whereas they don't realise they were gone for five years. Uh, the woman whose house uh, they broke into basically, again, offers her, you know, to do contract work, you know, while she figures out what she's going to do next, and she gets that realization that she needs to find uh, Natasha, but also doesn't realize that she's she's dead yet. Uh, Kate goes back to her mum's apartment after the the fight on the rooftop, and her mum that's like cleaning the the head wounds that she's got, and basically tries to encourage her that she maybe she shouldn't be getting involved in all of this. And you know, Kate kind of jokes, you know, I bet you regret kind of buying me that first bone. You see it hang up on the wall, and then her mum says, maybe sometimes I do. And Kate was very she sometimes you know, she looked at that bone, she thought she already figured out who she was she was meant to be. And she asked her mum to please look into the stuff they found out about Jack and she says that she will. Uh then goes to stay with Grills, the uh, the fireman who stole the Ronin suit, uh, who's watching Pizza Dog. He teases like showing them the costumes that they made for them, but Clint falls asleep before he can. <laughs> uh, Kate goes to get her some of her stuff back from her apartment and finds Yelena there. And there's a fun back and forth between those two as they talk about New York and everything. And then they talk about Clint and they see their different perspectives how 
Kate kind of looks up to him and then he's, she's like, you know, she, he didn't sacrifice anything. They say they were like Natasha did. And do you know how much blood, how many people he's killed like over the years? And basically warns Kate, like, I'm here to kill Clint. Don't get in my way. Maya's right hand, uh, Kaz, obviously, is cleaning up her wins also. And, you know, there's a bit of back and forth between those two. And he seems like he's trying to, like, follow Clint's advice and tell her to, like, stop and everything. And, you know, don't want to, don't want to attract any unwanted attention. Uh, Kate comes back to her mum's apartment and sees that Jack is being arrested as her mum seems to have looked into. And Jack seems very eerily calm about the whole thing. Like, he doesn't know anything. He's denying that he knows anything about Solomon. He says, I've never even worked a day in my life. <laughs> Is <laughs> <laughs> it like the uh, Clint? You know, talks to a plaque. You know, talks to Natasha while looking at a plaque, uh, commemorating the first battle of New York with all the Avengers' names on it, and talks about how he has to. He's going to do what he has to do. He fires a trick arrow through uh, a van uh, driven by the tracks of the mafia with a note in it for for Maya to meet him. At this uh, car lot where the Dragon Mafia are hiding out, he confronts her there dressed as Ronan, and you know, he reveals that he who, that he's Ronan, and basically says that admits he did kill her dad, but she was pointed in his direction. He was a weapon used by her boss because her boss wanted her dad dead. He was, he says that she was he was tipped off by an informant that works that worked for your dad, and uh, before things get escalated, Clint uh, Kate was there to help get. Uh, Clint out of there. And how does she get him away? Not by swinging up on a roof with a, with a trick arrow. No, she's called the manoeuvre. Because of course she has. Uh, and then Mike kind of has a flip back and forth again with Cassie asking her, asking him why uh, where were you the night my dad was killed? You know, where, why weren't you at that meeting? And he kind of, actually he doesn't really know what she's like really talking about or why she's asking him this. Uh, Elena's seen wandering down the streets in New York after walking behind Eleanor. She walks into this fancy building uh, back at the girls' apartment, you know, they're all sitting around the breakfast table, seemingly, you know, kind of happy, and they're showing off a trick that girls taught pizza dog. And then uh, he gets a, a text from El- from Elena, basically saying, I found out who hired me, it was Eleanor, but you should know. And then she sends him a picture, which you don't see at first, and then she hands the phone to Clint and says, Who's that with my mother? And he looks at it for a thing goes, that's the guy I didn't want to get. I was worried about from the start of this, and it's Vincent D'Onofrio's kingpin. And then there's a quick mood change from that big reveal to the credits, where they, where it plays, where it plays the Grinch song. Yeah. <laughs> a, a lot to take in there, uh, Carl. I mean, episode three had been my favourites, like up until that point. I think episode five is my new favourite so far, so I can't wait to see what the finale has in store for us. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed episode five. I was, I was, I, as I said to you, I was a little bit underwhelmed by episode four. I mean, it still made things along, but um, I, I don't know. I did, it didn't really grab my attention in the same way episode five did. Yeah, because like, as, as, as tense as it was, and how it was like, oh, when you, when you needed to wait a week later when uh, episode three ended with the sword at Clint's mm. throat, you kind of figured, you know, if you thought a bit more about it, that maybe it would end up being like resolving in the way that it ends up doing, and, like at the start of episode four. He's like, within a minute of the episode starting, like everybody, the sword's away from me, so everyone's sitting down and talking like normally. So it was just kind of a bit of a misdirection. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I knew. 
he wasn't going to cut Clint's head off or anything. But I thought there might have been a bit of a a fight or some or something. But yeah, it was. I don't know. It all felt quite anticlimactic, to be honest. After such a a hot cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I thought so too, and I think. Well, I know I joked about how sinister, how basically obvious, uh, obviously suspicious that Jack seemed in the first couple of episodes. But looking at these two episodes, I'm starting to wonder if he was the he's kind of the misdirection and it's Eleanor we should have been looking at because, you know, at first, Kate, you know, in episode four, it seems like, you know, Clint kind of confirms everything that she's suspicious about with him being, you know, the CEO of this, like, front for the tracksuit mafia. And then the way her mum, you know, says, Clint that you know don't like get involved. And also, I forgot to mention she she then phones somebody like, but we don't know who she's talking to. Could it have been the kingpin? Could it have been someone else? And then way she looks into it, and then all of a sudden, uh, Jack's been arrested, and but he's not eerily calm about it, as if either he's confident that nothing's going to happen because maybe like he is involved, but you know he's that well connected that he's not going to go to jail, or maybe he's he knows for the fact that he didn't do anything wrong. So maybe Eleanor has been setting him up this whole time. Who knows? Yeah, maybe, or maybe he's been getting close to Eleanor because he suspects her of being up to no good. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, she's sort of set him up as the patsy for now uh-huh. um, to go for, try and cover her tracks. But, yeah, it looks like she's been uh, working with Kingpin in some capacity from what uh, Elaine has, uh, has found out so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because... So there's been some speculation about you know her character and everything because he, you know, she does seem to be kind of you know nonchalant about most things, but then now she's you kind of see that kind of mask kind of start to slip, and we kind of maybe it might start to see her true intentions because you know, maybe we find out the reason she's kind of encouraging Kate not to get involved with. You know, well, that, sorry, sorry, I shouldn't have put it in. You you, you carry on. I was going to say is that uh, maybe she's asking Kate not to get involved with like looking at any Jack or get involved with Clint because she knows for a fact that some stuff's going on or that you know if she digs any Jack she's going to know about Sloan or, or stuff with Kingpin so knows for a fact that oh so she's up to something but like Kate don't get involved with this because for the people I'm involved in they don't they won't care if you're my daughter they will kill you. Yeah, I mean it could be like from the first episode when we the the flashback. She was arguing with a, a now deceased husband, and it sounded like they were having money problems. So whether she went to Kingpin for a for a loan, or or started working for him, and then got you know sort of dragged in and in his pocket. So she's not necessarily evil by design, but Kingpin's sort of like he does has got her over a, a bit of a barrel, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And. Uh... Like we also saw the argument with uh, Armand, and he talked about how her empire is like built on a lie or anything. So, really, also like Kingpin may have had something to do with her uh, being in the position she is now. So, and he might have known about what their whatever this relationship is they have. So, it does feel like yeah that you know we were, it was a slow burn, but we finally realised that we should have kind of been looking at her a bit more. But you know, I've been waiting to see Kingpin for a couple of episodes now when it was. Ever since that Uncle tease in episode three, do you think you know waiting to this point to finally kind of reveal him, uh, but just in picture form was the right move? Because I'm assuming we'll actually get to see him and like like have a confrontation with him in episode six. But do you think they were right probably to wait to the end of the series because and like save more of the story for maybe the Echo Show? 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, I do hope we get to see uh, a live-action appearance of him. Because, yeah, we know we've got is like a, a Photoshop photo at, at the moment. So whether he just carries on getting mentioned and then we have like a end credit scene with him to set up the Echo series or he does show up fleetingly, it'd be really cool to see him, even if it's just a, a small cameo. So hopefully, hopefully. Yeah. You can't just tease him like that at the end of the episode and then not have him, surely. Yeah. Because I think even though obviously Clint clearly had a run in with him somehow, as Ronan, like his at the minute his story really is revolving around Maya and her dad, which like I said will probably be paid off properly in the Echo TV show. So we're starting to set the seeds for that with you know the story about basically. I was surprised that they actually admitted yeah actually Clint did kill her dad, but it was a case of you know he was set up to do it by Kingpin or somebody who Maya thought she trusted. Uh, basically, Clint was the re- Clint is Rowan was the Rikishi behind the wheel, but you know King Triple H. <laughs> he did it for the Rock. <laughs> I did it for the Kingpin. <laughs> <laughs> but it does look like it's a, a right hand man. What did you say his name was again? Sorry, uh, Kazi, I believe his name is Kazi. It does because he didn't he didn't seem to want to answer her, did he? He looked a bit lost for words. So uh, it. it doesn't look good for him that he might be the inf- the informant to be to be fair maybe this is what sort of um pushes uh, echo into more of the good guy a path of uh, the good guys mm-hmm. yeah because this is fair fall and what i've seen is the apparently comic accurate like version of her like origin like how she goes from you know bad guy to kind of more anti-hero and that realizing that like she worked for him and then realizing that it was actually him behind what happened to her dad because basically the idea of like he saw how, how gifted she was and he realized like yeah like i think she'd be better used if she worked directly for me so basically got her dad kind of out the way and i was joking my brother about after he'd seen it like it's like when mr burns is filling out that form we're talking about his own parents like because the parents death got in my way <laughs> <laughs> so i'm interested to see what happens there and you know, they keep mentioning this, you know, Bishop holiday party. I'm assuming that's going to be a big thing in the finale because, you know, there's those shots in the trailer of uh, Kate and, you know, Clint walking in this building all dressed up fancy and everything and then the big fight in Rockefeller Centre. So I'm assuming that's where the big series finale, like, showdown will go down. Yeah, definitely. It's looking that way. I also love the, tea, the, the sort of teaser at the beginning of the episode five with Yelena and um so glad I watched Black Widow before <laughs> I started watching Hawkeye now with, with that little bit, or I might not have really known what was going on. But uh, we've seen people sort of come back from the blip before, like with uh, Agent Rambo in uh, WandaVision, but we haven't seen anyone disappear and then come back. And, yeah, to her, it was just like a few seconds. It was It was really sort of cool to see that and to, to sort of see how dis, you know, strange and disconcerting it would be you know one minute you're in a blue I, f- I forget the colour scheme so I'm just going to make this up but one minute you're in a, a blue bathroom and then all of a sudden it's beige and every, everything's different and your friend's got a kid all of a sudden and yeah it's uh, it's mad 
I mean, she's kind of lucky that the women she knew still hadn't sold the house in five years. Mm. Because if there'd been whole new, there'd been like different owners there when she came back. It would have been an even more awkward situation. So she was lucky that she rec- had somebody she recognised when she stepped out of that bathroom. <laughs> yeah, I see what you mean. Because like we've seen like in one division, or like we see a couple of clips from in Far From Home with people coming back, and then we saw in the end of Infinity War how people like disappeared. But never seen the process of them going away and coming back like in one. And so it was a shot to see how quickly you know it happened. Yeah, yeah, so, definitely. Yeah, similar to uh, uh, like the thing that Scott Lang had because obviously the his team got blipped as he went into the quantum realm at the end of At, at Man and the Wasp, and so, then he get, and so they can't pull him out. So for him, he was there for a few hours, and he comes out and says, "Oh yeah, it's like five years later." Yeah, and his daughter's all grown up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that as well. Uh, I think it's quite interesting because I remember. I think March 2020 was when Blackwood was meant to be released and then also like, got pushed back and pushed back because of the pandemic. So this was meant to come out like the whole tease of and the post credits of Yelena going after Clint was meant to be like that was maybe tease like lo- even longer before Hawkeye uh, came out. So I think actually they're lucky that it got pushed back because I think it's, uh, the idea of her showing up in this show was like fresher in everybody's minds uh, because then they happen closer together and so it seems like the woman who's uh, this house they break into was similar working for uh, Julie Louise Dreyfus, as a character who popped up in that end credit scene and who popped up in uh, uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier as the woman kind of recruiting John Walker after he's you know stripped of being killed in Captain America. So, you know, it seems like, you know, there's a, I don't know if Kingpin's working with her because, you know, she's, Eleanor's working with Kingpin who doesn't want attention from Hawkeye. And so Eleanor phones this woman, I think whose name thinks Val. So, it's all sorts of a bloody connection. This person knows this person, and you're trying to figure out, like, how is this all connected? Yeah, it's it's cool that they're sort of linking all these shows together in some way as well, which is uh, which is nice, and it's quite interesting to see how it all it all plays out. Yeah. And um, obviously, it's it sort of helps set up um, things with Daredevil as well with uh, the Kingpin coming into this so um yeah it's uh really cool i also love the uh the sort of conversation we have with um yelena and uh kate when they're in the little uh when they're in her flat and she's eating she's made oh, what she made some sort of it was mac and cheese. Mac and cheese, that's it. And then she's like, waits, offers it to Kate. Oh, no, you should eat something, Kate. But Kate keeps calling her Kate Bishop, which, <laughs> which is quite funny. Yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah, then when she, has it, she puts all this hot sauce on it. I love hot sauce. And then she tells... Apparently, I read somewhere that, it, like, also she was meant to throw the hot sauce bottle at her, but... Uh, apparently Florence Pugh improvised putting all that hot sauce on the on the mountain cheese and apparently Kiwis was meant to eat some of it but then apparently Haley Stainfield didn't actually like hot sauce that much so that's why she barely touches it <laughs> and there's a uh, she, uh, she tells us she's um, Natasha's sister and Kate Bishop's like oh thank god I didn't kill you she, and I was like oh, you kill me that's a cool you're funny Kate Bishop you're funny <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm starting to I'm starting to like her Russian accent the more I hear it because I wasn't sure about it in uh, in uh, Black Widow but I'm liking it better here and then she was 
they're, they're, they're joking back and forth like, I uh, know what you're thinking right now. You're thinking, what? Why is she in here? This is crazy. And, uh, and she goes like, you know, they both joke about the fact that they were basically acknowledged the fact that, you know, if Elena wanted to kill Kate, she probably would have killed her. Or like, literally as soon as you walked in the door. <laughs> yeah. I, think she, I think she brings a lot more to the table in the smaller parents in Hawkeye than she did in the entire Black Widow film, to be honest. Yeah. I think some people pointed out that she does a point where she uh, does like a landing on the the roof, and she kind of does a similar pose uh, there that she mocks uh, Natasha for doing in Black Widow when she calls her a poser and everything. I mean, she does it herself in Black Widow. She's like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> so it was funny. Yeah, and then we kind of get to see her like side of it, like, even though like we know like that he didn't like actually kill her, but like she. She, like, she talks about the idea of like Eric says oh he saved the world and he's an Avenger but, like, but in her mind like, that doesn't excuse like everything he's done before that like all the people that he killed over the years so basically it's interesting because you know Kate kind of idolises Hawkeye and she shares very opposite feelings so it's good to have that kind of back and forth between the two also the uh, when she mentions oh like all the states in New York she wants to see and like she mentions new and improved Statue of Liberty, which I think is reference to the Spider-Man trailers with the uh, thing of them adding the uh, the Art America shield to the Statue of Liberty. Ah, I did wonder what that meant, actually. And, um, yeah, and then the Christmas, oh, yes, the Christmas tree. Must see the Christmas tree. Because <laughs> <laughs> they do joke about it, like, she wanted to go to, like, into, to, the, to New York to meet Natasha after she saved all the the Black Widows and uh, the joke about it when uh, before she goes to the bathroom and gets slowly, yeah, then you and your sister can go live your, you know, your six in the city tour in New York City or something like that. <laughs> I was say, do you think she's been misled slightly? I know she's been contracted to kill Hawkeye, but she seems into belief that he's got more to do with uh, Natasha dying than, than he did do because she sort of sacrificed herself against his best efforts to stop her. But she seems to be in the belief that he sort of didn't try and save her at the very least. Mm, I think, I think so. Yeah, I think there's going to be a conversation between her and him, uh, and the finale where they kind of, you know, try and reconcile and try like he tries to explain about how she really died. Uh, it's interesting because you know she gets blipped and then she starts working for for Val because that post credit scene kind of implies that she's been working for her for a little while now. By that point, uh, but I'm wondering, like, you kind of already like they're in the full mission to rescue these like brainwashed like black widows. What happened to all them in the five years? You got to wonder, like, this can all just been forgotten about. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> maybe it's something they'll get to, or maybe it's something they'll just like hope nobody wonders too much about and they sweep under the carpet. But yeah. Uh, yeah, that was quite a funny scene as well, actually, when she yeah blows that sort of red mist on her, and yeah, she's not brainwashing. Move my rug. <laughs> well, like that's twenty thousand dollars down the drain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, so I'm interested because like I've seen some people try and see because also the timelines of these can sometimes be a bit like confusing. But some people think that when she was on the phone, she was like instead of needing to meet. Uh, in episode four, uh, that Eleanor was on the phone to Valerie Kingpin to help arrange Yelena to kill uh, Clint, but I'm not so sure if that really lines up timeline-wise, because even though 
uh, Elaine has been working for Valsamely for a while, a while now. She talks to Kate, she says, oh, you rescued that dog and everything. So it feels like she's been watching her and Clint for a while, like, or at least watching Ronan, because the photos she gets shown up and the Black Widow pros crazy and he's dressed as Ronan. So I don't I don't really buy into that. So I feel like they're trying, maybe they're sitting up in that, in that connotation that maybe she was watching both of them like from afar for like most of the series. Yeah, and, and that's um, the whole auction was set up to try and draw Clint out, perhaps. Maybe, maybe. Uh, I'm still interested in this bloody watch that everybody's talking about because Omaya and the Tractor Mafia were looking for it, and then uh, he's, Clint's missus seems to know about it, and then that's like they all sort of speculation like, what, why is, is she secretly a spy before they got married as well? Because uh, Tony, when when the Avengers find out Clint's got a family, uh, Tony just look, takes one look at Clint and he's like, like she's an agent of some sort. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, maybe she is. I mean, she can talk another language and she seems to have a good idea of what's going on, doesn't she? Yeah. You know, I wonder if she, like, they're, they're living in a house in the middle of nowhere, yet she was able to look up information about Jack and that front for the Trexit Mafia and how he was connected to it. So she, she's got to have some sort of like skills got to have do we know what's so important about this watch is it just that it can be tracked back to clint or is there something more about it i have no idea it was in the avengers compound and everything how these two know about it i'm not sure but you know i remember there a lot of the series like uh, from the first couple of episodes where people thinking it was like about a stark tech that the kingpin might want because you know the whole thing of that armor wars with the uh, John Cheadle's like is maybe about bits of like Tony Stark tech being left behind and them trying to make sure that you know like it doesn't fall into the wrong hands and everything. But the more like uh, she more like Clint's wife talks about the watch and everything, the more I'm I'm not sure what exactly it is. But um, I mean, maybe there'll be some sort of reveal in the uh, in the finale because I, I think Maya still has it in her house with her, so she might confront the kingpin with the the watch and. I might find out what he wanted with it. Yeah, yeah, could very well be like say some sort of stark tech or or something. It must be something important about it. You yeah. would have thought. Yeah, you would think it. And I really like the scene when when uh, like with some of the things about Maya being deaf, and I feel like the flashing light, and that kind of made me think they're in Maya's apartment because uh, also the flashing lights and then the vibration was maybe like. It's very like being alarmed for for deaf people who can't actually hear an actual alarm. Because I remember I actually watched a horror movie where the main vi- person being like victimized is, is deaf and she's got an alarm similar to that. It's a film called Hush. It's on Netflix. I, I recommend you check it out. But also the thing where she's kind of waiting in the middle of the showroom where she's got guys stationed all around and Clint's very Batman esque and his run suit is taking them out, but she can't hear them all being taken out. And then he just appears in front of her. Yeah, it's uh, it shows he's got more of a skill set than just being really good with arrows as well. Yeah, he's he's very good at sort of stealth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, <clears throat> it's quite funny when uh, Kate sort of in in that room looking for the gold, looking for the Rolex, and she sort of says, "Oh." Um, sort of Myers here or something and he says, Yeah, I'm fighting her and he, she goes, No, no, you can't you can't be <laughs> Yeah, you can't be because I'm fighting her like, well the hell's on the rooftop. 
That was very interesting. Uh, and then they've been teasing, like, you know, more trick arrows uh, for the finale and everything. Right? And the idea of the boomerang, I was like, yeah, well, they come back, so we won't lose them. Yeah, they'd be coming back at us. Well, just, you know, dodge. <laughs> yeah, I'd have actually thought that the, tr- the boomerang arrows through, to be fair. Bless her. No, sadly not. Oh. Sadly not. I, I did. I've gone through my notes here. I'm going. I'm all out of order here with my notes. It happens. I I got confused when I had to do two episodes that time. <laughs> yeah, I did like like kind of the symmetry between you know, when Kate falls off the roof and like Clint, you know, thinking about when Nat was like hanging off the cliff edge and then drops and in, in Endgame, and that's kind of where he makes decision like just like go away, like it's safer if you're not involved in all this. Uh. Because it feels like, you know, a lot of people say that, you know, people who watch Fly will say that this is like her way of trying, when she talks about, you know, the amount of red that she's got behind her and she wants to clear up, like, and the idea of the people she's killed, that's what she was doing with all the Black Widow mission. And the idea of in this show, this is how Clint kind of redeems himself with all the people that he's killed. Because, like, you see, like, throughout the show, he keeps, like, putting himself down so, like, I'm just a weapon, like, I'm not a hero, I'm not somebody to be, like, looked up to. Yeah, he he sort of made some sort of reference about um, what sort of happens to you when you sort of think you've lost everybody as well, mm-hmm. uh, because that's why he became really wasn't he? His old family got blipped away, and he he sort of couldn't stand the fact that all these sort of villains and that were still running, mm-hmm. were still running loose. Yeah. Which I then think implies that Kingpin was still around during the blip, and you know, between if it, you know if they are connecting to the events of Daredevil and all, but somehow he's you know he's influenced in that, and the criminal world has kind of grown like during those five years. So he must have had a convert, uh, you know, come across Ronan or Hawkeye at some point. Uh, yeah, I think maybe saving you know Kingpin to the final episode, like to actually get to see him. Uh, it's probably the best thing because you know I'm sure we'll get to see a lot more of him and Echo as a a more prime like pro- antagonist. Yeah, it'd be just like Kingpin to not get blipped as well, wouldn't it? <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah, very much so. Uh, I'm interested uh, in Yelena, like why she felt the need to you know tell Kate why she was hired by like Eleanor, why she felt the need to kind of follow her. Like, is she still gonna kill? Uh, Clint, but you know she feels like you know she's obviously offering Kate the chance to not get in the way, and obviously wants to know why she's doing this. Because like I, I feel I, it seemed like in that black widow scene, she basically gets her orders directly from uh, from Val. Yeah, it, it's, it felt like she was sort of like hell bent on um, sort of killing Clint, but then she decides to stalk Eleanor and obviously sees a meeting with Kingpin, so maybe. Uh, her conversation with Kate sort of made her wonder a little bit, just enough to check things out. Perhaps, yeah. Uh, also, good talk about that scene in the, in the apartment. Like, it's a, it's a full of great lines in there, but when she's going through the attempts, like, why do you have one fork? Yeah. <laughs> it, it just, it just it here. Like, no, and she's bringing stuff out of the drawer. Like, this, this is not cutlery. <laughs> <laughs> 
I thought, I thought, yeah, I thought she was, yeah, very a lot more fun in this than she was in Black Widow. I did, I did like, I did like that scene. <laughs> yeah, that was really good. But I, I don't know if there's much more I really look at. I think a lot of the big reveals came in episode uh, five because like it was more of the relationship between Kate and you know. Clint, you know, there was that extended scene in the apartment where she's trying to help boost his spirits, you know, and all the Christmas stuff he's he's missing out on, which was quite nice. Yeah, the field has a hell of a, a lot of plot threads to sort of tie up in the, the last episode, doesn't it? Like the whole Kingpin thing, Yelena, what's happening with um, with Jack, um, what, what Eleanor's actually up to. Mm-hmm. What the fuck this watch is? <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Kingpin. Maybe some stuff with Kingpin to hold off to again. Like I said, with Echo, so that's that plot thread can carry on. Uh, there's a lot of stuff with Kate, and I think yeah, that needs to be wrapped up in the final episode. Yelena, you know, I think most we know for her is that she doesn't kill obviously Clint, but you know where where she'll fit in going forward is interesting because I mentioned before she's got that. Uh, there's that you know untitled project with Marvel that Scarlett Johansson's helping produce, which may have Elaine involved in it somehow. So maybe whatever happens with her character, I'll continue on to that. So there's many different directions after the finale this could go, and it'd be quite interesting to see if, if they do a Hawkeye season two, but with Kate as the main focus again, with Jimmy Renner only popping up once or twice during the series, and so Kate has to like do a lot of stuff on her own. Maybe Elena can pop back up again in that, and they can, you know, they two have to team up or something like that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, after watching Black Widow, I wasn't, as I say, I wasn't that overawed with uh, the Elena character. But now, after seeing her on uh, Hawkeye, I'm like, yeah, well, more, more of her, definitely. Yeah. I kind of feel we might just get like a, like an end credit scene with Kingpin, or just like a a very sort of quick cameo towards the end of the episode, perhaps. I think like with this whole holiday party, like. Uh, that's happening, that's when the big, big confrontation will go down and then you know, the big fight near the Christmas tree. I'm sure, I don't know how long the episode will be because he's been going between like 30 and like 40 so minutes. It feels like night. feels like it might need to be longer, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like, you know, they could give us, they could extend this to an hour and there'd still be a lot to have to like fit in. Mm. Uh, so, you know. It feels weird because there were one or two episodes where, like, there were a few like down moments. Also, like, you catch a ref, have a few like character-based moments, and then it gets all the way to the final episode where you think things are wrapping up. And you're like, no, there's still this and this and this. <laughs> but yeah, as you say, they, they, they're doing uh, the Echo series, so they might leave a a bit of a thread. That's why I'm thinking there might be an end credit scene that will sort of set us up for um, for the Echo series, perhaps. Perhaps, yeah, perhaps. Uh, you got any, any other predictions potentially for what could happen in the finale? Will Clint actually make it home for Christmas? Because uh, I got to think in the next episode, the big fight will probably happen maybe Christmas Eve, so he might just be cutting it close here. Yeah, I think he'll get there just maybe like 11, 11 o'clock on Christmas Day or something. <laughs> <laughs> the kids wake up and you know, the dad's not there and then. They're in the Christmas tree, and then any walks through the door, a eh? big family reunion kind of thing. <laughs> uh, you know, who knows what's going to happen? You know, I hope that you know at least, at least, at least there's like a villain scene where like Kingpin and Benedict can 
he actually gets to meet Kate and Volker and he does his, his big Vincent D'Onofrio voice. And he explains the villain monologue where I explain to you everything that I've been up to. <laughs> uh, uh, you, my brother, are fans of, Fol- of uh, the Daredevil show. The, uh, we've had many, we've got many great funny moments out of, you know, taking the piss out of Vincent D'Onofrio's, you know, voice that he does for Kingpin that he doesn't do for literally anything else he's involved in. He just does it for that role. But, you know, at the same time, he's still a great, you know, Kingpin. You know, it, it, there was a silhouette at the end of the credits of, like, that image of like comic like drawing of Kate and Clint on the roof, but this time it had like a kingpin like silhouette over it, with and like kind of the idea of like he's been looming over it the whole time. Like it was me, Austin. It was me, Hall. <laughs> <laughs> um, it wasn't. It wasn't Agatha all along. It was kingpin all along in this one. <laughs> I'm still loving the fact they revealed finally the big villain of the series. You know, the guy behind the tracksuit mafia and behind Echo is the kingpin. And then what is the next thing you hear? You're a mean one. <laughs> uh, uh, whoever was behind that, no. Gold star, gold star to you. <laughs> but as far as the ratings go, Carl, for these episodes, uh, how would you kind of rate them out individually? Well, episode four, I'd probably give about a five. It was sort of a, a middling episode for me. Not a huge amount happening, as I say. The the way the you know the, the result of the cliffhanger for me was a little bit anticlimactic, but episode five um, gets a solid nine and a half. I thought it was a really good episode. A, a lot, a lot happening. Uh, the, the whole kingpin reveal, um, the Elena Kate Bishop scene, yeah, just brilliant stuff. Yeah, I think I, I may be more generous with the episode four by going just a bit above you. Maybe go a six maybe six and a half out of uh, uh, ten uh, something like that but nine out of ten definitely for episode five like a hell of an episode like they could have done like if this was like a longer episode they could have done a full 20 minutes of just Kate and Yelena talking for like the majority of the episode and I still would have been entertained because you know I think that's the main thing of that and the Kingpin other than the Kingpin reveal I think that's the main thing people are talking about just the back and forth between those two <laughs> they they need they need a spin-off series where they yeah. just live in a flat together. Yeah, I mean, there's all this like speculation about something like they're setting up with a uh, Val going to Elaine and then going to John Walker, like as if there's a like there's a number of different like supervillain groups in the comments that they could be teasing, and so you know you know that maybe Elaine. They also people are speculating because of Kate Bishop that they're going to do like a. Thing called the adaptation of Young Avengers because she's a big part of that. So maybe if they did a spin off with that, with like Yelena and Kate being the the two main like main characters of that show and like recruiting other people, that could be quite cool. Gives it basically gives them as much screen time together as possible because you know I don't think Florence Pugh and Haley Steinfeld have ever done anything else together. But and this is one scene you they showed off. They actually have really good chemistry together. Yeah, definitely. I'd be down for down for some of that. <laughs> Yeah, me too. But that's going to do us for Pony and Easy. Uh, the 22nd is when the finale goes out. Whether or not we'll get time to get a record, or review of a recording out to you before Christmas is unknown. You know, what's more likely to happen? If we get that episode out for Christmas or Clint makes it home in time for Christmas? We'll do a poll, maybe. <laughs> Could be quite interesting, actually. <laughs> uh, 
But thank you guys for listening to this uh, review of Hawkeye. We're nearly there, and then literally going into the new year, we're not going to be slowing down because also after Hawkeye, we'll have like a Boba Fett. But you know, before then, Garway, what you got going on here at Rogue Opinions that people should know about, other than this great show? Well, I've got um, Guns and Devils with um, Liam. Uh, We've got two episodes of that out and uh, the back catalogue from the check those out. I've done, just recently done uh, another Buffy podcast with uh, Sam Carmichael where we talk episode seven, Angel. So uh, make sure to check that out. It was quite a pivotal episode um, in season one and the entirety of Buffy, really. So uh, it's definitely worth hearing our thoughts on that one. And also another podcast where Reese Reese begged to do another <laughs> podcast with us. He's missing us that much. So there's another episode of Men Talking Shite out there as well. You see, I've got four podcasts on the go now. I'm, I'm ca- slowly trying to catch up with Scott, even if I have to start calling them all arm bar, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna get there. Uh, well, I think you've got more going on in the Rogue Opinion side of things actually than I do right now because uh, right now on the Rogue Opinions podcast feed, you can find the latest Scott Bolton podcast Frasier related episode. And we'll get a couple episodes. Uh, the actual episode title is The Seal That Came for Christmas. Because that, it's a mashup of two of the episode tales that we talk about, but there is a Christmas special on, a Fraser Christmas special on that list of episodes that we talk about, and it's one of the best ones. Not just Christmas specials, but one of the best Fraser episodes they've ever done. They have to pretend to be Jewish on Christmas Eve. Hilarity ensues. Check it out. Me and Paul have a couple of podcasts that have been pre recorded that are going to come out in the last week or so of the year. We've got an impact related one, one where we just talk about, you know, just eating a lot of food and just funny Christmas films. And then, one that we recorded right after that Fraser one that I talked about that will be coming out soon is part two of our series Titles, Politics and Pish, where we talk about Hulk Hogan being a politicking prick in the 90s, uh, where we look at this Tuesday in Texas, uh, the first attempt of going outside the big four pay-per-views. We recorded it after the Fraser podcast. We were, we'd been drinking during the Fraser pod. We drank even more during this show. So by the time uh, we got to the main event with Hogan and Undertaker, I was... The filter had well and truly gone by that point, let's just say. We're thinking of, we're thinking of just saving that one for like one of the last days of the year. <laughs> as a big, you know, New Year's, you know, farewell to 2021 by saying fuck you to Hulk Hogan. <laughs> uh, but that's the Scott and Paul Rambling for you to say, you know, we can find them at S- us at SB Rambling as well as, well as Rogue Opinions that said Rogue Underscore Opinions. Uh, there's a No Rogues Bar in, in the back catalogue that went out recently with my friend Daniel from ESSR. And uh, we talked about our good friend Quacko Adji from Meet Sleep Suplex Retreat. Uh, and, some, and so much so that Quacko insisted on coming on No Rogues Party, comment on what had been said. And I can tell you that episode with Quacko Adji has been recorded and will be coming out sometime in the new year. Uh, and it's a good time. You should definitely listen to that when it comes out. Uh, also, if you're a fan of your wrestling and Christmas related quizzes, uh, coming out recently on ESR's YouTube channel, a quiz hosted by myself, which I've mentioned before on this show, but it's finally here, and it's named after our Lord and Saviour, the Godfather. It's Quiz Showdown X7 Christmas Ain't Easy. Uh, and I've got some fun Christmas and wrestling-related rounds. Do I have some questions about the Godfather? Maybe. We have to check out to find out. 
Oh, you tease, Scott. I do, I do. Gotta keep them coming back. Gotta keep them coming back. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, the end of the year may be coming, but you know, me and Carl, we're not stopping with uh, all our podcasting endeavours. We're not we work tirelessly, even through Christmas Day, bring you entertainment for your eyes and your ears to keep you entertained through a potential another bloody Omicron, you know, lockdown. And, you know, even through a pandemic and through Christmas, Carl, one thing is always for certain, and that's that podding ain't easy. It really isn't. Bye, everybody. Bye. You're a mean one. Mr. Grinch, you really are a heel. You're as cuddly as a cactus, you're as charming as an eel, Mr. Grinch. You're a bad banana with a greasy black peel. You're a monster. Mr. Grinch, your heart's an empty hole. Your brain is full of spiders, you've got garlic in your soul, Mr. Grinch. I wouldn't touch you with a 39 and a half foot pole. You're a vile one, Mr. Grinch. You have termites in your smile You have all the tender sweetness of a seasick crocodile, Mr. Grinch Given the choice between the two of you, I'd take the seasick crocodile You're a foul one, Mr. Grinch You're a nasty, wasty skunk Your heart is full of unwashed socks, your soul is full of...